0: This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. This morning, we spoke about the mantles of our fathers. We spoke about the garments of Aaron and his sons. And how those garments were passed down from generation to generation to generation. And with each generation, we must get stronger. When that son was ordained, he wore those garments for seven days. The oil was poured over his head and it flowed down into his garments. For seven days, he would smell the fragrance of his father's. The blood, sweat, and tears, and the anointing that had been soaked into that fabric. And can you imagine through the years the anointing that settled down and the hem of that garment? That's why the lady with the issue of blood touched the hem of his garment because there was a great concentration of anointing there. Anointing. We spoke of the garments and the mantle and how that it's so important to restore the lost art of mentoring to the house of God. So important. And I do believe this is the season of the sons. Fathers. I believe that. I believe that God is restoring to the house true apostles, true prophets. Not men and women that will use those titles and those positions to, to, to how uh, people serve them, but they use those positions as an opportunity to serve others, to lay down their lives for their sons and daughters, for the foundation of the church, are the bones of the apostles and prophets. We walk on them. But we talked about the garments. And we talked about the mantles and how important that is. But I want to talk to you for just a few minutes tonight about the anointing that was on Aaron and on his sons. Because in this prayer conference, there are messages coming out about the Hebraic calendar, the year pay 5780, and the voice. We're talking about prayer and being strategic. We're talking about the watchman on the wall, but we're also talking about sons taking their place and about those sons finding their voice and the fire of God. And on the day of Pentecost, cloven tongues of fire fell and filled them with the Holy Spirit. And so tonight, I want to speak to you for a few minutes about that anointing that was on Aaron and his sons, that anointing that has soaked into their garments, that anointing that had gone from Elijah To to Elisha, from the father to the son. And then I'll be praying with you and I'll get out of your way. But if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to the book of Exodus? Let's go to the book of Exodus, chapter 30. And we'll pick up verses 22 through 33. The book of Exodus chapter 30, verse 22 through 33, speaking of the holy anointing oil that was given to Israel. Beginning in verse 22, moreover, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Also take for yourself quality spices. Say quality. 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 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much of sweet-smelling cinnamon, 250 shekels of sweet-smelling cane, 500 shekels of cassia, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and a hen of olive oil. Verse 25, and you shall make from these a holy anointing oil, an ointment compound according to the art of the perfumer. It shall be a holy anointing oil. With it you shall anoint the tabernacle of meeting and the ark of the testimony, the table and all its utensils, the lampstand and its utensils, and the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering with all of its utensils, and the laver in its basin. Verse 29 You shall consecrate them that they may be most holy. Notice this whatever touches them must be holy. And you shall anoint Aaron and his sons. And consecrate them, that they may minister to me as priest, so that they may minister to me. Verse 31. And you shall speak to the children of Israel, saying, This shall be a holy anointing oil to me throughout your generations. Say generations. Generations. Throughout your generations. It shall not be poured on man's flesh, nor shall you make any other like it according to its composition, it is holy and it shall be holy to you. Verse 33 Whoever compounds any like it, or whoever puts any of it on an outsider, shall be cut off from his people. The word anointing there in the Hebrew means to consecrate, but it also means to bring about an unction. Not only an unction to speak, but an unction to act. The grace of God, the empowerment of God that comes upon a man to do what God has called him to do. You have to understand that the anointing brings out the best in you. Whatever that gifting is, the anointing brings out the best in you or you could say the anointing makes the difference. You sing better with the anointing. You teach better with the anointing. You preach better with the anointing. You serve better with the anointing. You do better with the anointing because the anointing brings out the best in you, the creativity that lies within this church. The anointing brings that out. It makes all the difference in the world. I'm old enough now that I beg him, please don't make me go out before your people and face them with a sermon. Please Give me a message. If you're not going to speak to me, if you're not going to give me a rhema word, then please don't send me out there. I'm there to speak for you and not about you. I'm there to deliver a message. I'm just the messenger, but please don't ask me to go if you're not going to go with me. I I need the anointing. I I don't have time anymore just for church. I, I've got fewer years ahead of me than I do behind me. I've got work to do. And I need the anointing of God because the anointing makes all the difference in the world. The anointing. <laughs> I remember, as I mentioned this this morning, I got saved August the 3rd, 1975, just a kid. Just a kid. I I was born again into a great church, filled with the Spirit, called to preach. And a couple of years later, I was probably 16 years old, Suzanne and I were dating at that time, and, and we had a Sunday night service. And my pastor preached a message. I, I'll be honest with you, I don't even remember what the message was. But he preached a message. It was Sunday night. And, and when he finished, he closed his Bible and did something that was just a little unusual for him. I just It caught me off guard. He said, I want everyone in the church to line up along the outside wall and I want you to march around here and I'll meet you right there. And so I got in line and was walking around with everyone else and wasn't expecting anything and and just was talking a little bit to be honest with you and I just I didn't know what was coming. But when I got to within six feet of the man of God, it was the first time in my life that I literally stepped into the glory of God. It was so powerful that I fell to my knees, unable to stand up under the weightiness of his presence. That's what we call the kavod, the weightiness of God's presence, the glory of God. And I fell to my knees and, and, and the, the, the glory of God was so powerful that I was weeping uncontrollably and it was more than I could bear. And I remember the man right behind me, his name was Dana Dean. He fell beside me, and and, and I remember thinking, I have to get out of this. And I literally crawled out of the glory of God. When I got just three feet on the other side of the man of God, it lifted off of me. And so I went around, and I sat on the front row so I could watch the man of God. Remember, mentor, mentee, I'm watching my father. And I sat on the front row, and again, I was within that three feet of him, and the glory of God got all over me again. And I got up, and I had to walk away from it. Just a kid. But I remember getting in the car that night with Suzanne, and as we were pulling out of the parking lot, I remember saying to her, I don't fully understand all that, but I'll spend the rest of my life pursuing it. And my journey began in the pursuit of the presence of God. I've had some phenomenal experiences in my life. I remember our last night uh, in February, mid-February of 1981. This is our last night at our home church. We're starting our evangelistic ministry the next week. Like your pastor, we started as as evangelists. And I look back and I think, oh, my Lord, I didn't know what I was doing. And all those poor people that had to endure my preaching... But that night, I'm standing over there on that front row. And we were singing a song out of the hymn book. It was something like, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And again, I wasn't expecting. It caught me off guard. But suddenly, the glory of God came into that room, and it hit that front row. When it hit me, I went back against the pew, and then I turned and I watched as it went across that congregation. And I watched as people with their eyes closed and their hands raised, worshiping God, suddenly they would do this as the wave of the glory came past them. And that night in that service, as I was standing there in the glory of God's presence, my hands caught on fire. For the first time, my hands literally caught on fire. I took off my watch. I I pulled my sleeves up to make sure that it wasn't something that I was doing. And my hands began to burn as my hands went up into the glory of God. And after that, there were times when the anointing comes into my hand. The glory of God. I remember years later, it's April the 16th, 1992. The very next night, the 17th, Suzanne and I are going to start the church, our first service in Austin, Texas. But it's the 16th. And so we're in Houston, Texas at the general council or the district council, excuse me, of the Assemblies of God for my district and I'm getting ordained. And so that night, old brother Crabtree preached a phenomenal message. He preached the message that in this town, there is a man of God. It's built on the story of Saul looking for his father's donkeys and they couldn't find them. And so someone recommended, let's go down there to that town because in that town there's a man of God and everything he says comes to pass. He preached on being a man of God. And you have no choice. If everything you say is going to come to pass, you have no choice but to preach the word of God. And they called all those young preachers forward. And I went forward and they had us kneel. And I knelt down and my old pastor, Bert Clendenin, came. And ironically that night, Jacques Verneau, who was the missionary to Kinshasa Zaire, was there with him. And and Brother Clendenin laid his hand on my head to pray for me and to ordain me. And when he did, I felt, I experienced the anointing of God not flow over me, not burning my hands. There's been times that I felt the breath of God come across my face. There have been times that I've laid hands on people and I felt an impartation and the anointing hit them and I knew without a doubt God had healed them. I've seen tumors disappear. I've seen cripple walk. I've seen God move in some powerful ways. But that night as a young boy, I felt the anointing of God poured into me. Through the years, I've been privileged to see powerful things happen. Powerful things. Tumor disappear. The tumor the size of a grapefruit. I've seen people touched. There have been times that during the Brownsville revival that started on Father's Day, 1995... Three to four million people came through the building, 250,000 confirmed salvations, miracles. I saw the glory of God come into that building. I've seen the glory fall as like a downspout. I've been out in the crowds praying for people, and suddenly the glory of God would just go whoosh. And for in that moment, the crowd would surge towards you, and I'd watch as God would touch and minister and just heal people and touch and, and, and deliver people. In that moment, I've stepped into pools of Bethesda. I've been in services where I would step into a pool and, and it would swirl around me. there have been times you could feel the glory flowing between your legs and, and the glory of God would be around me and, and I would call people and I'd say, come here, come here, quickly, quickly, because everyone that stepped into that pool. The pool of Bethesda, when angels dip their wings and stir the water. Step out of the pool, and it doesn't happen. Step in the pool, and it happens. You explain it, I can't. All I know, it works. I've seen. I've heard. I've had dreams. God has spoken to me. He has given me powerful words. I remember one night... I was dreaming, and in my dream, Brother Kilpatrick was walking beside me, and I could just tell instinctively, I knew it was a mentoring moment, and suddenly he stopped in the dream, and he turned to me, and he said, Omastad, and I woke up, and I said, Omastad. So I went to my computer, and I Googled it, and it's Scandinavian. My name's Felshaw, which is German. My family is Danish, but we grew up in North Germany, and, and I, Omastad, and Omastad, means a commanding voice of a city that was years ago probably in 07 or 08 little did I know that here today I would stand before you as a governmental official within my city helping to bring leadership to our city and bring about territorial transformation but it all started with a dream and a word of omastan could go on and on and on of the stories, the anointings, the power of God that I've had but I've come here tonight because this scripture says that God has an anointing and that anointing is for the generations so it's not enough that I talk to you about the garments of Aaron or the mantle of Elijah but I've got to talk to you about the oil That God has set apart. And it's set apart for the generations. Let's title this, Anointing the Generations. Pray with me, Father. Bless the reading of your word. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to lead me moment by moment, breath by breath. I'm asking you to let your glory fill this house. I sense destiny on this house. I sense it. Its best days are still ahead. I believe today was a shift, a transition, a mile marker that they'll look back upon and remember. So tonight, seal this moment by letting your glory fill this room and anoint the generations. And let the young and the old have their moment their experience let them have their story we pray it in christ's name and everybody said amen. amen the compound of the perfumer or the apothecary as described in our text in verses 22 through 25 he said in verse 23 take for yourself quality spices quality He said, and you shall make from these a holy anointing oil, an ointment compound according to the art of the perfumer. It shall be holy unto you. You have to understand the mixture of the perfumer or the apothecary because the word perfumer means apothecary. Apothecary is a person who prepared medicine. So understand that this anointing oil wasn't about perfume. It's about, it's medicinal. It was the apothecary, the perfumer. It was medicinal. God was bringing health to the nation of Israel. And there were five spices. And and you have to understand these five spices of the anointed. If you want the anointing, you've got to understand these five spices. You're going to have to understand them. As I mentioned this morning, integrity never goes on sale. And you will pay full price. You will. The anointing doesn't come easy. I I don't say that to discourage you, but I owe that to you. You have to understand that we are more than overcomers through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Amen? But you have to understand that scars are the credentials of the overcomer. Because Jesus, after the resurrection, stepped into the upper room and looked at Doubting Thomas and said, Look at my scars. They prove that I am who I say I am. And you have to understand that that it's not in my wallet I carry a card that says I'm an ordained minister with the assemblies of God. But that isn't my credential. My credential are the scars that I bear. You see, you have to know that because when you give purpose to suffering, it becomes tolerable. Every storm that I go through, I know I'm going through it for a reason, and that is to be a pioneer to make way for others. Listen, you have to understand leadership and the price that they pay That's why when it comes to leadership, don't put your mouth on them, pray for them. You have to understand, there's a great price that comes with the anointing that's on your pastor. Young men and young women have a tendency to come to us and say, listen, pastor, pray for me. I want a double portion of your anointing. I say, great, do you want a double portion of the suffering and the pain and the hell that I went through to get to where I am today? They don't want that. But you have to understand these spices. Number one, it was myrrh, which means bitter. There are bitter moments that will come. Number two, cinnamon, which means to set you upright. God's going to set you upright. You're a man or a woman of God, and you've got to set yourself upright. And not only do you have to stand tall with integrity and nobility, but you've got to have a backbone. You've got to have the backbone and the courage to say what needs to be said. You've got to do it. You've got to have the ability to speak the truth. When truth is not popular, you have to do it. It's upright. Number three, it's calamus, which means a measuring rod. You're going to be measured. God will measure you. He would know you. He's going to know you. He's going to demand something of you. Uh, kasia, which means to bow down, to be a man or a woman of humility that understands to bow before him. I have prayed for years For years, since I was in Austin driving down Interstate 35, I prayed for years, Father, give me a quiet confidence that is clothed in humility because that's what people need to see. They need to see men and women of God of humility, men and women of God that are quick to bow before him. You've got to learn to bow before God because I want to tell you something about this position, guys. From this position, there are things that you can't see from any other position. But from this place of humility, from this place of bowing before him, I can see things that I would never see otherwise. Because understand and remember that the kingdom of God is inverted. It's not how high you go. It's how low you can get. And from this position, I can see things. And I can understand things that I would never understand before to bow in the last one these spices is olive oil which speaks of that beaten fresh oil Gethsemane you remember it's the beaten oil you have to know that the anointed life is medicinal and is the results of crushing five spices of the anointed crushing I was speaking to a young minister here after the services today And he was speaking about the call of God. And and it is difficult. It's Catching a mantle is not easy. Elijah said it's hard. But I said this to him. To whom much is given, much is required. But to whom much is required, much will be given. I have learned that the greater the crushing and the brokenness The greater the storm, the battle, the greater he gives himself to me. He gives himself to me. That's why I mentioned today I have found that the more apostolic I become, the more familiar I get with loneliness to be with him, to be with him. It's a crushing and a brokenness that comes. But I want you to know that it's that crushing that releases that anointing in your life. When you get around people that are broken, they carry a fragrance about them. Broken people have an aroma. You can smell it. I've been in services where people say, I smell the glory of God. It's brokenness. You can smell it. The aroma, the apothecary, the the perfumer and his anointing. Luke 22, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly than than his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Some believe, some theologians believe that, that the blood vessels and his sweat glands burst and blood came out mingled with this sweat. But it was a moment of agony, whether we agree with that or not, but Gethsemane means an oil press to press you and to press you. And before we can accomplish something, listen to me, young ministers, before we can accomplish something, you must first go through something. You've got to go through it before you can do anything. You've got to understand that. And we do an injustice to the young generation when we fail to tell them about the crushing that comes with the anointing. It's not about having people carry your briefcase, staying in nice hotels, eating in nice restaurants, having a nice suit, having people uh, respect you. And it's not about that. It's about being broken and crushed and going through hell, going to hell, and then coming back. Listen, it's important that you go and you come back so you can show others the way out. You've got to go through hell so you can come back, so you can show them how to get out of there. Jesus went down to the bowels of the earth. He went into hell, and he took those that were in captivity captive, and he led them out. Everybody wants to sit on his throne, but nobody wants to bear his cross. You got to go through hell and make sure you come back, so you can show us the way out. People, people need to know. You okay? You all right? The best oil are the results of the agony of the oil press. Five quality spices, he said. Spices, sweet odor, perfume. Did you know that the most expensive perfume in the world is Clive Christian's Imperial Majesty? It's $215,000 a bottle in American money. You might want to pick yourself up a bottle for your wife and her Your next anniversary. You better smell pretty good for me to spend a quarter of a million dollars. I can feel you're trying to, you're processing this. Some of you are, you're you're trying to, you're really hard. You're you're struggling with that. You're going, I I don't understand, Pastor. Let me tell you about perfume. We're not talking about that cheap cologne that you buy that's about 80% water. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not talking about that. You see, the higher the percentage of the essential oils speaks to its strength, its longevity, and its expense. It's the oil that makes the difference. The value of a perfume is determined by the rarity of the oils, the concentration of the oils, and the extraction process. There's one perfume that I researched. It takes 350 rose petals to extract the oil out of that rose petal, 350 of them to get the right mixture they need. And that's why that bottle of perfume can cost 250, $300 a bottle, because of the process. Luke chapter 7, verse 47, we have an example of this perfume, this aroma with the woman, the woman of sin. It says, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. The aroma of brokenness. The aroma of the oil is the smell of brokenness and anointing oil never ever goes on sale. It's expensive. And so you have to understand If you would have this anointing, your life will be on the wheel, the wheel of crushing, of Gethsemane. And the wheel goes round and round and round. Through my lifetime now, as I mentioned, I'm 58. I've been preaching since I was 15, been full-time since I was 19. I've done everything in the church you can do. And I've gone through some storms. But I've noticed in the last several years, the, the crushing and the, and the pressure has gotten greater. But I know that he's preparing me for something. With each crushing, he's trying to get the best oil. He's trying to get the most expensive oil. He's breaking me and he's crushing me because the best is yet to come. And you've got to go through this breaking. Listen, I, I tell... I tell young preachers all the time, never work for a man or a woman of God that doesn't walk with a limp. You need to know that they're like Jacob that bent to Peniel. They wrestled with God, and God transformed them and changed their name into Israel. And for the rest of their life, they walk with a limp. Real men and women of God are broken. Listen, they walk with a limp. I promise you, when you get around real men and women of God and you smell the aroma of the anointing, no you got to know that's the aroma of brokenness. That's the aroma of crushing. And they did that for you, your pastor and your pastors, your leaders. They go up front. They go ahead of you to fight the fight, to take the arrows, to take the hit, to to pioneer a way to make a way for others to follow. They do that. That's why when a man or a woman of God comes down a sidewalk, instead of gossiping about them, just tip your hat and step aside and just thank them for what they've done for you. Because I'm telling you, there's a price that comes with the anointing. There's a price. It's a crushing that takes place. The anointing. The world's most expensive perfume is not Clive Christian's imperial majesty, but the aroma of a man or a woman of God that's been broken in order to extract the essential oils of their life. He talked about a holy anointing oil in verses 26 through 30. Verse 26, it said, With it, this holy oil, you shall anoint with nothing else with nothing else. Now, let me just real quickly show you the responsibility of the anointing. Uh, Number one, it was a consecration. The word consecrate means to appoint, to dedicate, to set apart, or to show oneself sacred or majestic, to set you apart, used for sacred use. Ignorance to personal worth contributes to the temptation of sin. I preached on it this morning about nobility, When you truly understand that you're a son of God, then temptation has a tendency to fade away because it's not worth it. When you truly understand that you've been consecrated, that you've been anointed with holy oil, and that your life is not your own, that you carry with you nobility. I'm not talking about being arrogant or proud. Please know that. I'm talking about understanding Who I am in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 8 says, All the earth is groaning, waiting for the revelation of the sons of God, waiting for you to discover who you are in Christ Jesus, waiting for you to take your position in the kingdom of God, waiting for you to find your voice in this decade of pay, waiting for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, filled with the Holy Spirit, where the fire of God touches your lips and you declare the word of the Lord. This is the time for the sons of God to rise rise up and to take their place you need to understand who you are you've been consecrated you've been set apart there's nobility in your blood you're a man or a woman of God act like it dress like it talk like it live like it give like it lead like it be a man be a woman of God do your thing guys listen to me When you do what you do the way you do it, you're dangerous. There's no one else that can do what you do. No one else. We've got to have you. David had enough sense to shake off the the armor of Saul and say, listen, I, I I don't get all this. This is you, but this ain't me. And he took a rag and a rock and he brought the giant down. Because when you do what you do the way that you do it, you're dangerous. When you release your creativity, you're dangerous. Oh, I'm getting into other sermons with that. i got to stop. i got to stop. Consecrated. Number two, it was holy. It was a sacred place or thing. Sanctuary. Sane. It's set apart. It means holy. It's set apart. Verse 29, you shall consecrate them that they may be most holy. And whatever touches them must be holy. Think of that. Whatever touches them must be holy. You can't just give yourself to anything. You can't just give yourself to anyone. You have to make sure that your life, your life, that you understand you've been set apart and you're holy. Be careful with what organizations you attach yourself to. Be careful with the ministries that you align yourself with. You need to find a man and a woman of God like Pastor Tom and Pastor Bonnie and others in this room, you you have to find men and women of God that you can come underneath, that you can come underneath because as the brother preached this morning in such a phenomenal way, God anoints the head. God works through delegated authority and he starts with the head and it flows from the head So you have to be careful who you align yourself with. You have to be careful what you align yourself with. You have to be careful what you get involved in. You have to stop and pause and and recognize that I'm consecrated and whatever I touch and whatever touches me has to be holy. It has to be consecrated. Be careful. This thing is not, this thing is to be handled carefully. I'm trying to instill within you, not only your nobility, but the responsibility that you have You've been entrusted with something. Amen. Amen. That's right. Come on. The giftings and the callings of God are without repentance. Yes. That's why we don't always understand how that a man or a woman can be living in sin, and yet God still or it appears that they're still functioning on a platform. They're still functioning. They're functioning in their gift. They're functioning, and we get confused sometimes. You have to be careful, guys. Listen, you've got to understand you've been entrusted with something, and and you're not to treat it lightly. This is a holy, anointing oil. Don't treat it lightly. You can't put it on the flesh. You can't use it as perfume to draw attention to yourself. We need to be less concerned about charisma and more concerned about character. You can't use the anointing to draw attention to yourself or to build your ministry because when you do that, you're prostituting the anointing. You can't do that. We use the anointing to advance the kingdom of God, to bring glory to Him. But we have to be careful, we can't put it on the flesh. It's not to be used as a perfume to draw attention to me. It's not to do that. It's holy. It's consecrated. Be careful what you touch and be careful what you let touch you. Be careful. Never forget who you are and what he did for you. You have to guard against these things because there's what we used to call a fly in the ointment. In Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 1, it reads, dead flies putrefy the perfumer's ointment and cause it to give off a foul odor. So does a little folly to one's respect for wisdom and honor. A little fly in the oil puts out a foul odor. Now, let me just read you a description of a fly. Now, you have flies here in Zimbabwe as we do in Texas. Houseflies are also known as filthy flies. They have the ability to harm humans and animals. They're attracted to garbage, manure, and flesh. Houseflies not only uh, regurgitate their stomach contents onto food before ingesting it again, they also defecate on their food. That's why when you see a housefly on anything you're getting ready to eat, you need to shoo that thing away. Folly and flies create a foul odor. Folly and flies. Pastor Tom preached to us in the first session about the power of life and death is in our tongue. We have to be careful what we say, what we speak. You have to put a guard on your mouth gate. You have to be careful. You have to put a guard on your ear gate and what you listen to. You have to be careful, put a guard on your eye gate and be careful what you watch. You don't need to watch everything that's on television. You don't need to listen to everything that's on the radio. You don't need to read everything that's printed. You don't need to go everywhere people go and do everything people do. To whom much is given, much is required. But to whom much is required, much will be given to you. But he's looking for a man or a woman of God that understands what true holiness is, not legalism, true holiness, that you've been set apart for sacred use, that you're different, you're not better, the Levites are not better. You have to understand in Israel, there was 21 to 1 ratio with the Levite and the rest of the Jews, 21 to 1. They're not better, the Levites are not better, but they are different. And this life is not for everyone. It's not for everyone. But if you're called of God, If you're called of God, there's a grace that will come upon you to endure the calling. But I want to tell you right now that this life you live is not yours and it will be a life of crushing and breaking, a life of suffering and sacrificing. It's a life that is spent in service to others. And it's a life that I live every day. And I do it all over again. Because he comes to me in my prayer time. And he speaks to me. He touches me. He reveals truth to me. He shares his heart with me. He whispers kingdom secrets to me. And he anoints me and he uses me to help people. I do it every time. This anointing. Anointing. This night I've come. Because Psalms 92 says, I have been anointed with fresh oil. Fresh oil. And it's time to anoint you with fresh oil tonight. And as I started telling my stories, I'm now a grandfather. I have six grandchildren. And I worry about them. Will they experience what I've experienced? Will they see the things that I've seen? Will they ever stand in a sanctuary and watch the glory of God come in the room? Will they see tumors disappear? Will they ever see that? But this portion of Scripture gives me hope. Because it says in verse 31, And you shall speak to the children of Israel. This shall be a holy anointing oil to me, to him. Say it belongs to him. It's his oil. It's not mine, see. But he said, this anointing oil is to me, and it's throughout the generations. So the father has plenty of oil. He hasn't run out. And the same anointing that touched me when I was 15, the same anointing that touched me when I was 19, the same anointing that's touched me throughout my life will touch my kids and my grandkids. And when I leave this earth and I pass my mantle to the next generation, I complete that transition and I let it go. Because you can't wear it as a grave cloth. You got to let it go. I can be at peace and know that my father hasn't run out of oil. He hasn't. So tonight. (laughs) Tonight in closing, five spices of the anointed. Five spices that had to be crushed. But it created something that was medicinal, an anointed life. And God, oh, is looking for someone, the next generation that he can trust with that formula. Today in the, in the States, we're putting out young people in our Bible schools and they come out of Bible school and immediately they want a high salary a strong benefit package and they want to know how many days they get off a year my wife and I when we first started the ministry our first year we lived below the poverty line we didn't have any money we went from offering to offering I remember one day when we were still evangelists, I had to call my mother and I said, Mom Justin was just a baby this was right after I think I came back from Africa and I said, Mom I don't have any milk in the house I can't feed my baby can you help me I remember in Austin one day Suzanne set the table We start in the church. She set the table and she looked at me and said, this is the last meal in the house. But I also remember one day I was at the church working, trying to put some lettering on the glass door for advertising. And a lady next door, the manager of an apartment complex that didn't even go to church, never met her before in my life, didn't know who she was. She drove over to my church and got out of her car and stood there and looked at me and said, are you the pastor of this church? I said yes ma'am I am she said I'm sitting over in my office and God told me go next door and give that man of God $300 but you can't see the miracles if you don't go through the suffering but my fear What I struggle with is does the next generation have the perseverance, the strength, the faith, the tenacity, the courage, the ability to pay the price, to do what my wife and I did, to do what your pastors did? Because God is looking for someone in the next generation that He can trust with the formula of the five spices that are his. Because so often, men get their dirty little hands on that formula and they use it for self-promotion. And instead of understanding the crushing, they use it, instead of for medicinal purposes, they use it for perfume. And they anoint the flesh to draw attention to themselves. And it breaks the heart of God. Who can he trust with this formula? Who can he trust? God has a personal oil. And I've come here today in hopes of releasing in this house an anointing for the next generation because God is looking for somebody he can trust. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.